This message comes from NPR sponsor FX, presenting Clipped, the story of the 2013 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. Now streaming only on Hulu. A-line skirts teased up hair and Mary Jane Hills stole the show at Sunday's CMT Music Awards. Country singer Kelsey Ballerini welcomed four drag stars on stage for her song, If You Go Down, I'm Going Down Too. That move made a statement in Texas. It's one of 14 states with the legislation introduced that would restrict drag performances. We speak to one of those drag queens, Kennedy Davenport, later in the show. Drag has been a feature of the 2023 legislative session, including in Ballerini's home state of Tennessee. It's also been a target on campuses. West Texas A&M canceled a student drag show last month. So what's been the response to those bills targeting drag? And do those bills violate free speech? We'll get into it after this quick break. I'm Jen White. You're listening to the 1A Podcast, where we get to the heart of the story. We'll be back with more in just a moment. This message comes from NPR sponsor FX, presenting Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill, FX is Clipped, now streaming only on Hulu. Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Learning. IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Viore, a new perspective on performance apparel. Clothing designed with premium fabrics, built to move in, styled for life. For 20% off your first purchase, go to viore.com slash NPR. This message comes from Capital One, offering commercial solutions you can bank on. Now more than ever, your business faces unique challenges and opportunities. That's why Capital One offers a comprehensive suite of financial services, all tailored to your short- and long-term goals. Backed by the strength and stability of a top-10 commercial bank, their dedicated experts work with you to build lasting success. Explore the possibilities at CapitalOne.com slash commercial, a member FDIC. What does it mean to be black in America? In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as varied, nuanced, and dynamic as black experiences, you'll hear. It means everything. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcast. Let's get into the conversation. Joining us now to talk about it is Kay Klein. He's the secretary of the Spectrum Club at West Texas A&M. That's the student organization for LGBTQ students and allies that organized the drag event. Kay, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for having me on. Also with us is Adam Steinbaugh. He's a lawyer with FIRE. That's the Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression. FIRE is representing the Spectrum Club in their lawsuit against West Texas A&M. Adam, welcome. Thanks for having me. We asked the university to take part in this conversation, but they declined. 
Kay, what did the Spectrum Club originally have planned for this charity event? So what we had in mind was we were going to have it on campus. It was going to be a student uh, display of like all of the uh, people that wanted to participate or to um, just be in the audience. We were, it was going to be entirely students. We were just going to let these students kind of express themselves the way that they wanted to. How did you find out the event was canceled on campus? So our president, uh, his name is Barrett Bright, but we call him Bear. He told me and the other officers that it was going to be canceled about 10 minutes before Dr. Wendler sent out the email, and he was not able to tell us why at the time. Um, My suspicion is that even he did not know. And by Dr. Wendler, you're referring to Walter Wendler, the West Texas A&M University's president. And here's part of what Wendler wrote about the cancellation. Quote, does a drag show preserve a single thread of human dignity? I think not. As a performance exaggerating aspects of womanhood, sexuality, femininity, gender, drag shows stereotype women in cartoon-like extremes for the amusement of others and discriminate against womanhood. Kay, when you heard the president's statement about the cancellation, How did you feel? How did you respond? I was incredibly upset. Drag is none of what he said in his letter. It's all about celebrating femininity and just gender in general. And I feel like he had a very um, incorrect interpretation of what drag actually is. And and how would you describe drag, Kay? I think... Drag primarily is a celebration, like I said. It, it, it's a way for the queer community to um, sort of express themselves without fear of judgment because they're in a safe space. And it's a place for people to explore their gender identity and how they feel in their own body. And, like, yeah, it's, it's meant to be something that's fun and accepting. Adam, as I said, you're representing the Spectrum Club in a lawsuit against the university. FIRE is an organization that defends people's freedom of speech and expression. Why is this a free speech issue? Well, the First Amendment is not limited to literal speech, meaning verbal speech. It also applies to expressive conduct. Uh, you know, the the person who salutes the American flag is conveying a message without using literal words, uh, as well as the person who burns an American flag. Uh, So the First Amendment protects uh, expression even if you're not using words, and that can include uh, performance, theater, or visual arts, and drag is a centuries-old form of art uh, that uh, can convey a a number of different messages and a number of different views uh, depending on the performer uh, and the message that they want to convey. Now, Kay, the the event did go on, you were able to find another space for it. What happened? So we ended up going to a local park in Amarillo to hold it. Uh, It was an outdoor venue. Everybody was welcome. It was free admission. Um, I think we had a better turnout than what would have happened if Wendler hadn't sent the email. Just because him sending the email garnered way more attention than I think he thought it was going to get. And we had at least several dozen people there. And we also had some minor protesters um, from, like, 
conservative groups and people that didn't want the show to go on, but they weren't really an issue. They just kind of stayed in the background. Adam, you're not just representing the club. You're also representing two students who are a part of the club in the same lawsuit. Explain that. Well, a a student club has First Amendment rights of its own. You know, the the organization and its members pay tuition and student fees to be able to use these spaces on campus. And a a public university president is bound by the First Amendment and can't make uh, thumbs-up or thumbs-down decisions based on the message that the group is going to convey. Uh, so the group itself has First Amendment rights, but so do the students, because the students are, uh, in many cases, and especially here, uh, individual performers uh, in this show. Uh, so they may have individual messages, messages that they want to convey uh, through the event. How is this case different, Adam, from some of the other cases you've taken on, if it is? I, I don't really think that it is. The, the First Amendment is uh, agnostic when it comes to viewpoint or morality or message. It protects everyone. Uh, and when you have a college president who uh, unilaterally decides that, you know, I don't like this speech, I don't like this message, so therefore it is not going to be permitted on my campus, you know, that's, that's going to chill speech across the political and ideological spectrum. Okay, there are several bills in the Texas state legislature that would regulate where drag can and can't be performed. As you, as you look at those bills making their way through the legislature, how, how are you feeling? I think it's uh, censorship, plain and simple. It's, it's not an issue of whether um, this certain speech is harming children or... Uh, sexualizing others, it's trying to censor queerness because I think that drag is a huge part of uh, the queer community in general. So trying to um, omit that from certain public spaces is like saying you're trying to omit queer people from a space. Well, and how are you feeling as a student at West Texas A&M right now? I, well, I've definitely been stressed these past few weeks, um, just especially with the cancellation and also because we've been garnering more media attention than we ever thought we would get. Um, just in general, it's, it's been a very stressful time. How is Spectrum Club thinking about the path forward? We're just going to go operation as normal. I mean, after the show... Sure, we've gotten a lot of attention, but at our heart, we're still an LGBT support group, and that's not, we're not going to stray away from that. Adam, walk us through what happens with the lawsuit from here. Well, the, I think the important thing here is that uh, President Wendler uh, essentially exiled these students uh, off campus for this event, uh, and that deprived them of the space that they were entitled to as uh, tuition-paying students. Uh, just because there is, you know, the potential alternative site where you could theoretically, uh, and, and as they did here, engage in speech, doesn't mean that the government, uh, a public university, can exclude you from the area that you are entitled to and want to uh, perform in. And here, the mission of this student organization is to convey a message to the university community. And President Wendler deprived them of the ability to do that. So... That casts into doubt whether or not they can do these events in the future, and we intend to challenge President Wendler's directive.
That's Adam Steinbaugh. He's a lawyer with FIRE, the Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression. He's ex- representing the Spectrum Club in a lawsuit against West Texas A&M. Also with us, Kay Klein. He's the secretary of the Spectrum Club at West Texas A&M. That's a student organization for LGBTQ students and allies. The university canceled the club's drag show last month because the president said it was misogynistic. Again, we invited the university to participate in this conversation, but they declined. Kay, Adam, thank you for speaking with us. Well, let's turn now to Kimberly Kendi, a national investigative reporter at The Washington Post, who's been following legislation targeting drag performances. Kimberly, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. And Ken Paulson. He's a lawyer and the director of the Free Speech Center at Middle Tennessee State University. Ken, welcome. My pleasure. We also reached out to Tennessee State Representative Chris Todd and State Senator Jack Johnson, both Republicans, who sponsor the Tennessee law limiting drag. They did not respond to our request. That law has been temporarily blocked by a federal judge over free speech concerns. Kimberly, what are lawmakers saying about why drag is a top concern for them? Well, the sponsors of these bills say that they're concerned about um, these performances taking place in front of children. Um, What you'll hear all of them say is they're just trying to protect children. And their contention is that there um, are inappropriate things happening, that it's body, that it's sex, uh, you know, there's body jokes, that it's very sexual in nature. When in truth, um, drag shows are just like movies. They can be G-rated, they can be R-rated, and they can be tailored to the audience. So you're talking about something, you know, a G-rated one would maybe be uh, a man dressed in a 50s style housewife dress reading Dr. Zeus to children in a public library. And an R-rated one would be that more traditional type of drag show that you would think of with, you know, somebody, a man in, you know, flamboyant uh, outfit stripping. Um, but, but, you know, they, they range. But their contention is that a lot of these shows in which children are at are on that R-rated end. How widespread are these bills in states across the country right now? Well, I did a story last month, and I found 26 bills that were introduced in 14 states for this year's legislative sessions, zero the year before. This is a brand new thing. Ken, earlier we heard from a student club at West Texas A&M, their drag show was canceled by the university president. A free speech organization has stepped in to represent them. Others are arguing that these bills are an infringement on people's free speech rights. How is drag protected by the First Amendment? Oh, it's protected as any form of speech is in America. You know, the First Amendment is extraordinarily and delightfully simple. It says (laughs) Congress shall make no law restricting our freedom of speech. And over time, that's come to mean government cannot restrict our freedom of speech. And that's as basic as it gets. It's not complex. We get to say what we want. We get to play what we want, sing what we want, and perform as we wish. The the limits to that are very rare and very limited. And in fact, when a court looks at this, they apply something called strict scrutiny and ask two questions. Is there a government interest in passing this law and limiting this speech? And if if there's a genuine overriding interest in limiting that speech, is it being done as narrowly as possible? And all this legislation is an encyclopedia of reasons to declare to declare any law unconstitutional, they're 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 vague. They are uh, the laws 
unnecessarily infringe on free speech, and and there's no real problem. When was the last time you stumbled across a drag performance in your public park? There's no problem here, and it's really a political uh, motive motivated piece of legislation. So with with the simplicity of the First Amendment, how are lawmakers making the the argument for why these laws can be passed, Ken? Or are they? <laughs> Unfortunately, it's a great American tradition for politicians to pass unconstitutional laws uh, and never have to answer for it. It's not a problem for you to whip up your base by passing laws that will never stand the test in a courtroom. There's no penalty for that. No one fails to get reelected because of it, and so they do it all the time. We saw this in the 50s with comic books and, and the, the film industry. We saw it in the 80s with the notorious Tipper Gore hearings in Congress. You saw it in the 90s and again now with books. There are efforts to restrict free expression, to bring joy to political parties, but, you know, do real damage to the U.S. Constitution. Kimberly, these bills don't use language that actually mention drag. So how are lawmakers using them to target drag performances? Sure. A lot of them do, but when they started to get blowback, um, the newer bills began to be introduced without that language being used in it. However, it is they are worded in a way that it absolutely would have a chilling effect um, on drag performances. You know, people dressing in clothing that is not, you know, conform with their birth gender. Um, you know, uh, language that just sort of walks around the word drag, but in application would absolutely apply to drag performances, um, ranging from the, you know, drag time story hours in public libraries to these the you know the show that got canceled on the college campus to ones that are at you know bars in your neighborhood Kimberly as you've been reporting on this story and you've looked at the language from state to state used in in these bills are they similar are they identical um they are very very similar um, and uh, what I found when I was reporting out the story about the 26 bills that got introduced in 14 states, you know, many of them before any other bills have been introduced in these state legislatures. First thing out the gate, drag show bills. What I found was they were very similar. And then in almost every state, an affiliate, a state affiliate of the Family Policy Alliance, a right-wing conservative group that's based in D.C., they were the ones that were behind it. Many groups, different groups in each state, have supported and fought and lobbied for the drag bills, but this was a key central group. And um, advocates believe that much of this language that appears over and over and over in these bills uh, comes from those state affiliates of Family Policy Alliance. Uh, tell us more about this organization. Sure. Well, um, there the, the the state presidents of these organizations um, have spoke to me on the record about how they were behind the bills. So it's um, they were proud and forthright about it. Um, they are um, evangelical Christian groups. Um, they are right wing groups. They're very uh, very involved in setting and and fighting for state policies on everything from. Um, you know, LGBTQ rights to gun rights to um, abortion rights. Very strong and uh, present in almost every state in our nation. 
And just place this latest slate of legislation within the larger context of what we've seen around LGBTQ rights over the past um, couple of years. Sure. Well, this whole movement really kind of started in 2015 with the so-called bathroom bills, which sought to, which were introduced, you know, 150 of them, only 10 that became law, but 150 of them introduced across the nation. And that was in public schools, students would be forced to, uh, transgender students would not be allowed to, um, they would have to use, rather, bathrooms that go with their birth gender. And that kind of started the movement. And every year there's kind of a new flavor of uh, these um, bills that um, affect LGBTQ uh, rights. Um, You know, transgender um, banning, gender-affirming care for transgender youth, that that started becoming a big thing last year. It's big again this year. And this year's flavor are the drag shows. Well, Ken, I'd love for you to put this legislation within the broader context of, of where the country is right now around questions of free speech. Where do you see it? It's an affirmation that our, our <laughs> eagerness to use our free speech is matched by our eagerness to cut off other people's free speech. You know, we have this extraordinary gift in, in the First Amendment and that we're allowed to express ourselves widely and provocatively if, if we desire And the theory of America is that if we all share our ideas, in the end, the best ideas will rise to the top. And we will become a more creative, more dynamic, smarter nation. That gets short-circuited, however, when we just want to speak and we don't want to listen. And that's what we're seeing here. We're seeing government use its power to say our view is the right view, and we're not going to tolerate any view that falls outside that. It's really a tragic era in American life where we are targeting individual Americans, where government is targeting individual Americans and the culture they appreciate because they do not approve of it. That is not the American way, and we've got to find a way out of this onslaught of legislation that limits our free speech. Ken, drag is not an inherently sexual performance art, though sometimes it can be, but How does the First Amendment outline how we're supposed to regulate content that may be deemed inappropriate for kids? You know, that's fully taken care of. We have a a rich body of work that says obscene content. That's content that has no redeeming social value and appeals to sexual interests, period. Well, you can take that obscenity standard, which, which can, you know, obscenity can be banned, can be limited by government. It falls outside the First Amendment. And basically, you then apply those principles to eight-year-olds. And it's not going to have to be as sexually explicit, obviously, to be obscene for an eight-year-old. But I'm not sure a lot of 10-year-olds have what you'd call prurient interest. Uh, If they see a drag show, a normal drag show, a traditional drag show, it's just men dressed as women and it's funny and entertaining. The, the um, The real test here is state legislatures have done no research. They've created no panels full of child psychologists to understand what is harmful, genuinely harmful to children. It's hard to imagine a sexually explicit drag show in the traditional sense. And, and of course, in those situations, you would recognize that children should not be in the room or in the park, which is the other form of this, this legislation seems to take. Anyway, there are laws on the books that govern this. 
obscene content, obscene performances can already be banned in every state in the nation. This, these kinds of laws are unnecessarily and are just political showcases. Kimberly, what kind of repercussions would these bills put in place for people who don't abide by what's in them? Sure. Well, the Tennessee law, which was the first one to be introduced, or I should say it, it's it's a law that's been, as, as you point out, the top of the hour blocked. Um, it calls for a fine of up to $2,500 um, and up to a year in jail for a first offense, which would be a misdemeanor. And then for subsequent violations, um, people could face a felony charge punishable for by up to six years. A lot of states have followed that model um, with their drag bills. But there's uh, another avenue that they some of these state laws are, uh, or bills have uh, tried, which is requiring that any place that holds a drag performance register as an adult-oriented business. Now, that means that this college campus that holds a drag show, if such a bill passed, would have to suddenly register as an adult-oriented business, like they're a strip club, which obviously just completely shuts down um, any ability for those drag performances to take place. So there's a number of approaches with some of these bills that are just aimed at shutting it down without necessarily costing people money. We'll be back with more of our discussion in just a moment. Stay with us. Support for this podcast and the following message come from the United States Postal Service. Looking to part ways with complicated, expensive, and uncertain shipping services? Then give your business a competitive edge with USPS Ground Advantage. Keep things simple with upfront pricing and no unexpected surcharges. Keep things affordable with some of the lowest prices out there. And keep it all reliable with on-time ground shipments. Turn shipping to your advantage. Learn how at usps.com advantage. USPS Ground Advantage. Simple, affordable, reliable. Last year, over 20,000 people joined the Body Electric study to change their sedentary, screen-filled lives. And guess what? We saw amazing effects. Now you can try NPR's Body Electric Challenge yourself. Listen to updated and new episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Let's return to our conversation about drag and freedom of speech. States across the country are looking to ban drag performances in public spaces, performances much like the one millions of viewers saw on the Country Music TV Awards on Sunday. Kennedy Davenport was on stage in full drag attire while country pop singer Kelsey Ballerini performed. Kennedy is a drag queen from Dallas, Texas, and has been practicing drag for 27 years. She was also a top four finalist on the reality show RuPaul's Drag Race, and she joins us now. Kennedy, welcome to the program. Hi, thank you for having me. So for someone unfamiliar with drag performance, how how would you describe the art of drag? Um... The art of drag, for me, I can only speak for myself, um, is is simply good, wholesome entertainment, and um, and it for me, it is a um, it's my way of expressing myself freely, unapolog- unapologetically. Um, and it's, I'm, I mean, I'm, the proof is in the pudding. I have shows all over, um, all over YouTube. Um, so 
everything that I do is for pure entertainment. It's like for you to be entertained. And that's what I've always wanted to do since I was a kid. And it didn't even have to do anything with drag. It was just, I wanted to be on stage and I wanted to entertain people. And that's what I've been doing for, shoot, over 30 years now. Hmm. What can you tell us about the history of drag as a performance art? I I think drag becomes serious to us when it, uh, I I think drag becomes important when it becomes um, a business. And that's when we start to really uh, take it seriously. Um, It's kind of, it's just, it's kind of hard to explain because a lot of people, for 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 people that don't know will actually have to go and see it's something that you have to experience for yourself it and in no way does it have anything to do with sex or trying to sell that um it's how we feel it's the music that you listen listen to every day and, and you know before people started uh creating their own music as drag performers you know we we grab our inspirations from musical artists um artists who already have music out there and from that that's how that's how we create our stage performances. I, I want to play a part of a BBC interview with Republican state lawmaker Lindsay Tishner in Kentucky. Well, do we let strippers perform in front of children? We don't. It's inappropriate. And in but, the they're same not, way, but they're not strippers, though, are they? Oh, sometimes. It just depends. Sometimes they are. Has drag ever been performed at an, an adult venue that hasn't been inappropriate? They're not sitting there. They're they're dancing. They're performing. They're doing sexually explicit things. And now they're trying to sh- reshape it, to normalize it, in my opinion, to sexualize children. And it's not normal behavior for children to be around. Kennedy, what's your response to people who are saying that drag should be restricted because it isn't safe for children to see? I think it's totally ludicrous. And the thing the thing about it, the thing about it is as a professional. If you are booked and you know that there are going to be children, then it is our job as a professional to adjust our performance. That's just like with any rapper or any any singer that has cuss words in it, um, any anybody that has background dancers that has, you know, uh, booty shorts on or any any type of performance. Uh, you know, because even before the internet, I was born in the 80s before the internet, you know, there was just certain things that that I as a child was not allowed to go and see, you know, um, and, you know, things, times have changed. We don't know, we don't know what a child is subject to in their own home. So, it, you know, we have to, we as, as performers, as a performer and as an entertainer, have to have to um, be aware of the atmosphere that we are entertaining. Um, I don't do those types of performances. I don't do those. You know what? What everybody don't perform the same is my point. And I, the majority of our community simply just want to entertain. And I believe that it's you know that's that's just. 
it's crazy. I don't, you know, I'm not, everybody is not the same. Hmm. You, you've been practicing drag for almost 30 years, as I've said. Living in Texas, where lawmakers have introduced several bills to limit drag performance, what concerns does that raise for you, both as a performer, but also just as a, as a person? Uh, um, I kind of stand, um, I'm a law-abiding citizen, um, and I just hate that you know, this is even coming about. And it's like, unfortunately, if 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 the people in higher power don't even want to listen to us, we will have to abide by the by the law. And it's sad. It's sad and it and it's hurtful. Um so it's you know, we just have to adjust. We we would have to adjust. We would have no choice in the matter. I just hope I just hope the people in higher power would just give give people give our art a chance and see that everything is not all drag is not the same. That's Kennedy Davenport. She's a drag queen from Dallas, Texas. Kennedy, thanks for speaking with us. Thank you so much for having me and thank you for having this platform to open up a conversation about this and having people who who also have our back to, you know, to show the world that, hey, it, you know, it's not what people think it is. So I appreciate you and this platform. Thanks, Kennedy. Let's go back to our inbox. We got this message from Irene. Drag is a form of entertainment. It always has been and it shouldn't be restricted in any way. Um, There are things that are not restricted in entertainment, and therefore it should, you know, they shouldn't do that with with drag. We also got this email from Ilanka. If drag performances are damaging to our kids, what about WWE and WrestleMania events? People are dressing up and body slamming each other, promoting violence, so exposing our kids to that is acceptable? What's the difference? Ken, what has U.S. legal history said about where people can and can't perform something? Well, typically it doesn't have to do with where they can perform, but what they can perform. The uh, the right to speak freely is um, is cherished in this country. I, I do think that the one buzz phrase used by those who are trying to pass this legislation that distorts the argument and and somehow prevails in political arguments is is sexually explicit. So we've had free speech protection in this country since 1791, but when you throw sexually explicit into it, people get nervous and they say, oh, we need to do something about that. First of all, there's not a lot of evidence that there's a lot of sexually explicit drag shows out there. But add that buzzword to another form of expression. How about sexually explicit poetry readings? Well, suddenly poetry would sound dangerous. <clears throat> it's not the art form that is dangerous to children. And, and, and yet somehow when you introduce the words children and, and sexually explicit, people get very nervous. And, and I think Kennedy and, and others have made a great point that people just don't understand what drag is unless they've seen Tootsie or, or seven or eight years of RuPaul's mm-hmm. drag race. Um, the, the key to this whole debate is that it's cyclical. The long-term history of the First Amendment says that all of these laws will be struck down as being unconstitutional. And two years from now, we won't be having this conversation because it will have lost its power politically. The bills will be struck down. Drag will be back in full power. 
if not more popular than ever. And something new will be targeted in the culture wars. That's, that's my optimistic take. But there's nothing about what's going on now that's different than what's gone on for more than 200 years in this country. If you have power, you try to suppress the views of those who offend you, challenge you, or scare you. Well, and Ken, it stands out to me when you talk about sexually explicit poetry readings. What are the unintended consequences of legislation like this? When when people look at it and say, well, no, that seems reasonable to me, what aren't they thinking about? Well, first of all, they're not appreciating the art for what it is and the value of, of what it has to offer society. You know, it's, a, it's an extraordinary country founded on ideas, and those ideas need to be free. And what we see time and again is efforts to restrict what Americans think about or care about or, or, or appreciate. Um, what they're missing is that uh, the art they love, the, the WWE performances that they enjoy, all those are endangered uh, and can be taken away if you allow government to target one subset of society. What's so remarkable about this whole debate is that it actually targets expression based on someone's clothing. You know, if someone stood on a street corner standing on a box and shared their views and used vulgar language about the president of the United States, used pr- profanity loudly, and children walked by, no one would think about trying to pass a law to prevent that person from sharing their viewpoint. But you put a dress on that person and have them say the same thing, suddenly it's, it's outlawed by this legislation. We, we just don't sweat the details as Americans. We don't look at the real implications of censorship. And someone might say, you know, that sounds reasonable to me. We shouldn't have kids attending explicit drag shows. Well, kids aren't attending those. That's not the problem. What's unreasonable is an effort, a widespread effort, to limit a long-established art form in the name of protecting children. Kimberly, as you continue to report on this issue, what are you following? Um, well, I am following um, the one the bills that are remaining and kind of what's happening. There's still um, at least seven that are active in various states. Um, many of them uh, look very much like um, the bills that we've discussed earlier. Um, I have a story coming out in a few days about Tennessee where I look very um, in, in detail uh, you know, at that state and kind of the culture that happens in these states where these bills can flourish and um, uh, you know, and, and stand up and, and pass. Um, some of the things that I'm looking at also are the, uh, what happens even if these bills don't pass. Um, we're seeing, um, for instance, pride, gay pride parades that are being planned for June always had a direct component being canceled. Um, the your person that you had at the top of the hour from the college campus, um, their drag performance canceled. These bills don't have to pass in order for them to shut down uh, drag performances and have a chilling effect. And I'm following how those things are starting to uh, just fall by the wayside. The bills don't, like I said, they don't have to pass in order to shut down drag. It's happening right now. That's Kimberly Kendi. She's a national investigative reporter at The Washington Post. She's been following the drag legislation. And Ken Paulson, he's a lawyer and the director of the Free Speech Center at Middle Tennessee State University. Kimberly Ken, thanks to you both. 
Today's producer was Jorgelina Manorea. This conversation was originally recorded at WBHM in Birmingham, Alabama. This program comes to you from WAMU, part of American University in Washington, distributed by NPR. I'm Jen White. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again tomorrow. This is 1A. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com switch. Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Online. Is your child asking questions on their homework you don't feel equipped to answer? IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. One subscription gets you everything. One site for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And NPR listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com NPR. All that sitting and swiping, your body is adapting to your technology. Learn how and what you can do about it. I really felt like the cloud in my brain kind of dissipated. Once I started realizing what a difference these little bricks were making, there's no turning back for me. Take NPR's Body Electric Challenge. Listen to the series wherever you get your podcasts.